what you really love to see is a, a manager that really their salary isn't you know that extraordinary but they have like a huge stake in in the business so you can see that they're working for shareholders and not working to necessarily enrich themselves because they're focused on the operations of the business Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. All right, welcome back to the Wayfinder Show, Adam. How you doing today? You know, man, I'm doing good. Um, as you know, I just got back from a from a funeral, so it was a you know a bittersweet right. weekend. I got to see some family I haven't seen in a while, but you know, obviously the the funeral was an unfortunate situation. But just want to hijack real quick and just say, you know, my uncle John that passed away was just a great man. Anybody that knew him loved him. Um, Actually, I don't think you know this, Louis, but he he was a football coach for 30 years in Sarasota, Florida, at Sarasota Riverview, and they they just named the field after him like two wow. or three weeks ago. Had a dedication to him and everything like that, and then he uh, he passed away shortly after that. And they had a celebration of life this past Saturday, and like 2,000 people showed up or something like that. Wow. So it was a he had a lot of impact on the community. So it was a uh, yeah, like I said, of course, a bittersweet weekend, but. Um, yeah, it was good to see a lot of people. So, wow. What what was his name again? Adam? John Sprague. John Sprague. May you rest in peace. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to start off like a you know on a down. Yeah, note, no but... worries. Actually, that's that's kind of um, that, that you know I hate to talk about loved ones' deaths, you know, but it's kind of a good lead into this week. We have a, a special guest here uh, that's affiliated with a show that. I've been following forever um and and you know it, it kind of started as a show that studied it's called we study billionaires and it really started as a show that studied a, a company called berkshire hathaway that people may have heard of right and there are two people who run that and one of them is warren buffett who everybody knows and the other one's charlie munger who passed away last week as well um so i think we'll probably be talking about that a little quite a bit you know about great men and how they affected the community and in ourselves and, and everything. But with that, probably not the the best intro, but I, I do want to, <laughs> I guess that you it kind of could lead into um, to our guest for today, who is the host of the We Study Billionaire show, Clay Fink. Welcome, Clay. Great to be here, guys. Thank you for inviting me. It's an uh, honor to be on your show. Yeah, the honor is uh, coming, man. Yeah. Clay, you know, before we talk about you, while we're on that note, can we talk about Charlie a little bit? You know, Let's maybe the impact that he's had on obviously the show and you, maybe a couple of takeaways, you know, of, of his wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much in relation to Charlie. Um, I I picked up the 
poor Charlie's Almanac last year when I did an episode all about him. And that book's just like a monster uh, to go through. Um, but when I think of Charlie, I think of, you know, someone that has truly embraced lifelong learning him and Buffett both. Um, he, uh, when, you know, even at age 99, he's like, I'm going to be holding shares of Costco forever. And he's like, he's like some of the, one of the most long-term minded people you'd ever meet. And he's like in his nineties, which is pretty crazy to think about. And I also, um, upon his passing, I thought about, you know, what are my main takeaways I got just as an investor. And when I think about investors that have inspired me, um, there's a few that come to mind and Charlie's one of them where, you know, our show talks a lot about value investing, but his approach, uh, really seems to ring true with me. Something where, um, you know, when he sees an opportunity, he acts in size, he's pretty dang concentrated when he invests. Um, you could argue Berkshire is pretty diversified, but, uh, in terms of where his money's at, it's like, like most of his money's in four places, Berkshire being one of them, and then a fund, and then a couple other, uh, companies. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he talks all about, you know, the standard causes of human misjudgment where, where, uh, people think they're rational, but, uh, oftentimes they aren't very rational. And, uh, he talks a lot about Robert Cialdini's book influence, which has been a really impactful book. Uh, Stig and I talk about some of the lessons from that, uh, quite mm -hmm. often. Um, just, you know, talks a lot about, you know, the human wiring that people, people, a lot of times they think they're making conscious conscious decisions, but there's these unconscious factors sort of playing in that uh uh influence us essentially. But yeah, Charlie, um, many investment lessons I pick from him pick up from him. Um, studying Costco, I think, is a really interesting case study where you know it's a business he's owned for at least 25 years. And wow, with each passing year, it's a business that's almost certain to get stronger as it goes along. And, you know, there's something to learn, uh, from that, uh, that you can carry over maybe into other investments where, you know, maybe I'd look for something that's smaller, that maybe has similar characteristics to Costco and thinks long-term in the way their management team does. Um, but yeah, that long-term framework his patience, uh, and his lifelong learning is some of the big takeaways, uh, from me and studying him. Yeah. One of the, uh, sayings that I, I think he has and i'll probably butcher it up but it, it's um if you want to become a billionaire help uh help a billion people right and that uh, i know there's a lot of people who've said something along those lines i'd like to think he's a first principles thinker uh and, and so i always go back to him and uh i you know that that one resonates with me more and more every time i've i've heard it and uh you guys uh, we study billionaires, I think, uh, have influence, you know, have, have helped quite a few people yourselves there, um, through the show. How, how's, have you, you know, I know you're the more recent host, but have you started to recognize how much you've been able to help people and, and in what ways? Yeah. Yeah. We met in Omaha, you know, just right. through, through the show and, um, Podcasting in a way, it can sort of feel like you're in a silo, as you guys maybe know. You know, you're putting content out there, and you don't you don't really know who's listening to it. And um, we mentioned uh, pre-recording that I started a community with TIP. It's called the TIP Mastermind Community, and through that, just 
all the sort of people I can really see a lot of the people that are listening, you know, many are in the U S but there's some in other countries as well. And just the quality of people I meet that listen to our show is just like amazing. And I'm like, yeah. truly, uh, it's been amazing to see, just to hear, you know, uh, some of these people, uh, just like, uh, it's an honor to be able to be able to chat with them and have them join our community and, um, to hear them say they really enjoy tuning into the show. Um, a lot of them really like Williams episodes, him, his, a lot yeah. of his are our most popular ones. And, uh, having him join our team has just been, uh, a really amazing move for TIP and it's been great for our show. And it's been able to add a whole nother layer of depth to what we do. Uh, part of, I think what's allowed us to, uh, grow, obviously we had the first mover advantage in 2014. We were probably one of the first uh, value investing shows. So that allowed them to raise up, uh, and have the algorithm really work in their favor. And it's really hard to, to move up in that way. Yeah. And I think, I think SEO plays a big part of it too, where people, I'm sure I discovered the show in 2016, 2017, just Googled investing podcasts. And this is one of the, probably the first or second option that came up. So that's obviously a big tailwind as well. Um, and then you also obviously need uh, good content too. Right now we have four hosts on our feed. So it really gives a good variety of stuff that we talk about. And I think people appreciate that, how we, you know, don't sort of silo ourselves in one different thing. William kind of has his taste. Preston obviously has his taste of what he likes to talk about. And then Stig and I uh, talk a lot about value investing and a little bit about just sort of what's going on in the economy. So Clay, for the, for the people that don't, know you well can you give us a little bit about your background and what led you to the point where you were hosting we study billionaires yeah um if you would have told me i'd be a podcast host uh in my late 20s when i was 18 like i would have told you get out get the heck out of here but uh here we are what's a podcast <laughs> <laughs> so uh i'd say i really went down like a traditional corporate path is, is what i'd call it i went to school to be an actuary. So I work growing up, I was just like obsessed with numbers and the actuarial field is very math intensive, requires a lot of testing. Um, for those not familiar, it's primarily, uh, they work in the insurance space and their job is essentially to assess risk for companies. Um, the unique thing about insurance is that when insurers sell a policy, they don't know how much the policy is going to end up costing them. But when Coca-Cola sells a can of Coke, they know how much a can of Coke costs them to produce. So that's an interesting aspect when it comes to uh, the insurance side. So it, there's a lot of math that goes behind, you know, how much you need to charge, the margin of safety within, within that. And there's a lot of sort of investment concepts uh, that I learned through that. But uh, with that background and that backdrop, I went to school, got my degree in that in Nebraska, Univers University of Nebraska here. And then I worked in the field for four years, just over four years. And uh, while that was happening, um, I naturally got interested in investing, uh, discovered the Investors Podcast, and we studied billionaires and just fell in love with the content they did. And I mentioned the community earlier, and like so many people really like William's episodes. And what I think they really like about it is the not just, you know, you can learn about a bet investing in so many different ways, books, different podcasts. Um, but I think the depth is what people really like and the concepts that can be applied 
just to your life, how you approach your work, how you approach all these, you know, just overall life in general. And I think that's what people really appreciate about it. And when I look back, when I first started listening and think about Preston and Stig, I very much saw them pretty much as mentors. Um, even though they're talking a lot about investing there, you know, there's life principles that can be applied through listening to the show. And that, that's why I think people admire Warren and Charlie so much too. You know, when people talk about Charlie Munger, they very uh, rarely talk about <laughs> his investments really. But uh, yeah, so I was a listener of the show, probably discovered it 2016, 2017 when I was in college, um, was really focused on my career. But um, three or four years in, I sort of realized that I didn't want to do it uh, for the long term. And, you know, I was, the job was fine. Um, you know, it's just like showing up to work and I wasn't really actively uh, engaged is the way I felt about it. And after three years, I, I switched from a consulting firm to a, a, a insurer here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then after making that switch, I was like, yeah, I need to like find something else that, uh, you know, just sort of make a career pivot. And I knew the investing arena was something I was definitely interested in. It, it, I just wasn't sure uh, which area I wanted to get into. Um, there's a lot of issues, I think, with the financial advisor side, you know, pushing products, uh, charging fees, things like that. And I just felt like I really didn't have a lot of exposure to the industry outside of just like what I've learned through books and podcasts. So it was difficult to sort of wrap my head around what the right path was for me. And then out of nowhere, I just got an email from the investors podcast saying they were hiring for their millennial investing show. And I threw my hat in the rink, just, you know, I did not expect to even be considered for this. Um, I, you know, I just figured there'd be just exceptional people um, applying and threw my hat in the rink, uh, making it up, ended up making it round after round. Um, there's like different things they had us do submit, uh, submit some information, um, prepare questions, ask questions on video, <clears throat> then have a call with Stig and another member of the team. And, um, they whittled it. I think a hundred people applied. They whittled it down to five. And then Robert and Stig both picked me for whatever reason. And I'm like, wow. well, uh, I, I wanted to make a switch. So uh, let's give it a shot. And, you know, I was in a position where I don't I don't know who sort of applies this approach, but, you know, approach an approach to investing is like you want to expose yourself to opportunities that offer you a lot of upside and very minimal downside. And, and from my perspective, I was like, you know, worst case scenario, six months from now, I'm it doesn't end up working out well, whatever happens, I don't like it then I can go back and get another job as an actuary. I already knew that there's like a shortage of actuaries and, yeah. you know, and, and I took like a pretty significant pay cut initially. So like I was in a position to do something like that, which I think is quite unique too. So um, very briefly, uh, what I've done with the investors podcast, I've been with them just over two years. The first year I hosted the millennial investing show. And then I transitioned to be a host on the We Study Billionaires feed. And um, it's just been an amazing journey, just interviewing so many successful investors, learning about so many different approaches, finding the approach that sort of fit how I wanted to approach the markets, read uh, countless books is what it feels like. And uh, the list just keeps on growing of stuff I want to read. And then uh, 
April 2023 launched the community and we have, we're approaching 100 members there and it's just been quite a journey and almost like a dream come true of that you know a dream I never really had originally so can you so, share a little bit about the community like what what is it why do people sign up what what value do do you guys provide of course yeah so I was preparing some meetups in Omaha for the Berkshire meeting that was in I believe it's always the first weekend of May 2023 so that was you know six, nine months ago, I was prepping for that. And we had a number of free meetups um, over the Berkshire weekend. And I was honestly somewhat blown away by how many people were interested in getting together, not only just like, like meet the TIP hosts, but it was like networking and meeting like-minded people. Like I, I had all these emails coming in of like why people wanted to come, why they wanted to, you know, why, why is someone flying from like Australia, Asia, Europe, why are they flying to Omaha? <laughs> you know, it's not like they're going to get to meet more and Charlie, but they'll be, they'll be able to see them. And that's kind of cool. But like, you can do that on your computer and just like see, see the recording of them. Well, part of it is obviously it's a fun trip to be able to, to do that. But I think part of it is, uh, just having that opportunity to meet people that, uh, really are like-minded. Um, so that's kind of the driving force of why we put together the community is to connect these like-minded people. Cause when I look back to when I was listening to the show, you know, I loved like hearing all these concepts, hearing about like opportunities in the market, here, tying it into life principles. And then, you know, I'd send these podcasts to my friends or send it to um, other people I thought might be interested in it. And it never just really clicked with them. So um, you know, talking about these things, it's like I sort of lived in my own head, listening to the podcasts, having these internal conversations, having like these internal conversations with the hosts. And yeah, so that's the one of the main reasons uh, people are interested in it is having the opportunity to meet like-minded people. And in terms of where people are at in their journey, some people are younger, they are just getting started with investing, but they want to learn from others. And they know that you know, TIP is sort of the, the way they want to value investing and the way TIP thinks about these things is the, the way they want to, the way they want to go. And it's, you know, it's a, a brand they trust. And then some people are investment professionals where they just want a place to run ideas by other people that they trust. And uh, one thing I do, there's a whole bunch of things we do. Like we do like weekly live Zoom calls. We do, uh, we're going to do a live event in Omaha. And then we just had one in New York City. But I was going to mention for each person that joins, I hop on a call with them and just get to know them. You know, why are they joining? Um, what are they looking to get out of it? And one of the cool things I think now that I've been on a call with, you know, 70, 80 people is like, I meet someone and I hear what they're trying to get, where they're from, how they sort of invest. And I'm able to connect them with a few people in the group. So like just instantly I'm able to connect them with a certain person that gives them exactly what they're looking to get out of the community. And I found that just be pretty amazing how you can join something like this and be connected or be able to run ideas by, you know, the exact type of person you're looking for. <laughs> like, it feels like, um, it, it honestly feels pretty amazing once I sort of think yeah. about it. I, 
I concur. I mean, having, I, I first went out, I think it was 2019 or 2018. And I had yeah. heard, I've been listening to the podcast forever. And that's what eventually got me to look at Berkshire Hathaway and heard about the annual meeting. And I'm like, oh, you know, let me, I bought one B share so I can get in and, and go. And there was this big party in downtown Omaha with all these other <laughs> value investing geeks like myself. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I met Preston and his dad that day and, and Stig, <laughs> I remember. They wouldn't remember me, but I, I remember them and a lot of other people. And then, you know, we had those off years because of COVID. But then it was back on. And I think you put together the WhatsApp group where we had meetups mm-hmm. and you and I stood in line together. And, and uh, you know, we've been able to become friends through that and, and, and met some other people as well. And now there's like, I look forward to that every single year. And it isn't even to go and share you know, investing ideas and sure we talk about all that and everything. Right. But it ends up being a community where we're really just sharing about life wisdom. Right. I think that, cause that's what Warren and Charlie really represent. Right. Like they aren't being so little about business or investing. Right. And more so about just how to do life well. Right. Mm. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. I think uh, there's something about it when, you know, you, sort of fall under this school of thought some call it a cult and uh when you when you show up to the meeting it's like you're just hanging out with your people and you don't know like some like for that meetup we did um we were standing in line like you don't really know these people but you know (laughs) you know you know sort of their values and the way they think how they um how they think about the world and how they they appreciate the event they're at and like most people in omaha that live live there don't don't really know <laughs> what's yeah. going on and uh yeah it's it's that uh there's something about like human nature where we really value that that community aspect of you know yeah. that feeling of belonging and feeling like you know you're with your people so clay how have you changed your investing outlook and and um you know just the way you look at investing now since you've become host and you've been able to and you get to pick the brains of some of the most brilliant investors in the world now. So mm-hmm. uh, how is it, you know, you know what books to read now, you you know, the whole nine. What, uh, uh, what, what, how has your philosophies changed with investing? Yeah. Of that? So uh, I mentioned before, like, I've had this math background, yeah. uh, innate curiosity in investing. So one of the things Charlie says is, you know, the vast majority of people should just buy an index fund and not even look at <laughs> look at any yeah. anything else re- related to investing. But that's just not the way I want to want to approach it. Like, even if yeah. I don't like beat the market, like I'm totally fine. You know, just picking my own companies and constructing my own portfolio. It's kind of a puzzle that yeah. I really enjoy doing. So, you know, th- it's just because just because I'm you know interested in picking stocks, constructing a portfolio doesn't mean that other people should go and do that. I think if you're interested in doing that, then you, then it's something you might uh, look into exploring. Um, with that said, yeah, over the past two plus years, I've talked to a lot of different styles of, of investors, and since since we're talking about Charlie, um, he's sort of famous for helping Buffett transition from buying cheap unloved businesses to buying higher right. quality businesses and that's an approach i've definitely uh really embraced of 
finding a business I'm comfortable, um, you know, sitting on for 10 plus years and not even worrying about, you know, if the price drops, um, obviously assuming the fundamentals don't change and tracking what's happening there. And, you know, I listened to Warren and Charlie and like all that stuff made sense. And then I read uh, Chris Mayer's book sitting right behind me, uh, 100 Baggers. And I read that book and I read his other book. uh, It's called How Do You Know? And that really- You've had him on the show too, right? Yeah, I've had him a couple of times. So I dove into that book and I dove into his portfolio. And really that's when it sort of clicked of like, yeah, these are the types of companies- I want to find. And it really boils down to uh, Chuck Ockery's three-legged stool where it's very high quality business, exceptional management, and then the long runway for growth. And, you know, trying to find that, that uh, those really high returns, like Buffett in his early days was doing over 20% a year. You know, he's no longer able to do that when he, once he gets to a certain size. So you know, when I find some of the companies like I found in Chris's portfolio where they're growing 20 plus percent trading at, you know, reasonably high multiple, but not like insanely high. And then you can see just a super long runway for growth. I realized that uh, once you find a business that you think is really high quality and you're able to, and assuming you're right about the business, if you're able to sit on it for five, 10 plus years, then that's what really allows the the magic of compounding to take into effect um plus a lot of these types of companies are pretty volatile so they oftentimes see 20 30 percent drawdowns so um that can keep some people out of it that that can uh you know give you an opportunity to get into it so yeah that's the types of companies i've added to this year and then i've sort of mayor his mayor only has 11 holdings in his portfolio. So I've sort of, sort of took a more concentrated approach, similar to not, a, not as concentrated as Munger, but, uh, along the same, uh, thinking. So yeah, that's sort of what I've been up to this year. And it's sort of the approach that, uh, clicks with the way I want to approach it. Um, I had a couple notes here. I wanted to mention related to this, the, I think, uh, with this approach was so critical as being able to recognize uh, business quality. And then y'all, y'all also have to be super patient with your holdings as well. Um, and I believe essentially my edge as an investor is being able to have that longer term approach. Um, it's, it's said so often that Wall Street um, receives so much pressure that they essentially just think short term. So they're looking for a company that's going to outperform over three or six months. Uh, maybe even shorter than that. Whereas uh, my advantage as an individual investor is to be able to uh, buy what I believe to be a great business and just hang on to it uh, for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the average holding period in the 1970s, just to illustrate how short-term markets can be, the average holding period uh, back then was five years in the stock market. And today it's around 10 months. So that mm-hmm. continues to decline. Mm. Um, people tend to become more and more impatient, impatient, and they just want the results today. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, recently I've also been diving into Lawrence Cunningham's work. I have this book in front of me right now. It's called quality investing. 
And mm. that's another really, really great business that, uh, or great book that, uh, dives into this, uh, line of thinking too. So if someone's wanted to start cobbling their own portfolio together, like you did as well, would, would you suggest starting with three-legged stool or, or is there a certain resource to, that you would say, this is what you should do first? Yeah. So I think you should get a grasp of different investing styles. So the value investing approach at its heart is trying to purchase something for less than it's worth. And there's, there's plenty of different, uh, businesses, you know, any business, according to a value investing framework, any business is worth buying at a certain price. But uh, after studying uh, Aukri, the three-legged stool, and uh, May Chris Mayer, and interviewing a bunch of people, um, that doing that and just studying the game of investing has really helped me be able to look at any stock, and within a couple minutes, I can tell you if I'm interested in it or not. And wow. even within a minute, you know, just looking at the numbers and looking at, you know, what industry they're in, um, is it something I can understand? Um, so yeah, so someone that's looking to start to put together their own portfolio, um, definitely, I would say reading a, at least a few books is definitely a requirement. There's plenty of books on Buffett. The Warren, the Warren Buffett way is a really, really good book by Robert Hagstrom. And then um, Hunter Baggers by Chris Mayer. I think that's a really good book that studies, you know, stock market winners. Sort of recognizing the investing investing game is like a yeah, it's a puzzle and a math problem, you know. And you really need to be able to wrap your head around what drives shareholder returns. And uh, under <laughs> I think studying stuff like Charlie Munger too, and understanding the investor biases. You know, usually when you talk to someone that's a uh, just getting started in the stock market, they tend to get interested in what's hot and they tend to get interested in, you know, what makes the headlines. And oftentimes those are the worst places to, <laughs> to start looking uh, for an investment. And uh, yeah, and I think people, once they get started, they kind of have that itch of, you know, really watching the stock price and not really understand what it is they own. So that's another value investing principle is, you know, stocks aren't uh, tickers on a screen, they're real businesses. So you have to understand, you know, what, what drives returns within a business too. Clay, you, um, well, you mentioned in hundred baggers, how some of these big businesses might already have high multiples yet you buy them expecting a 20 plus percent return every year, um, or at least averaged out over many years. Uh, um, what what are the what do you look for that that'll tell you that like because you know a, a good example might be like Tesla right I mean it's always trading at a really high multiple or or Amazon right and yet it's it's still been able to grow you know Amazon is is a great example actually their multiple is always really high right and and they they have a huge runway and huge they, they continue to grow for a while so so you know and I don't know if you'd consider them a hundred bagger or not but what uh you know, what, what, what is it that you look for? Um, so that's a great point. Um, so I mentioned the fundamental principle of value investing is to purchase something for less than it's worth. So right. like just because someone pays a high multiple for something doesn't necessarily mean that they're overpaying. I, uh, chatted with Chris Mayer earlier this year and people, there's obviously drawbacks. Uh, with a PE, one of the uh, 
common shortcuts people use is say that a high PE means a stock's expensive and a low PE means a stock is cheap. And if let's just use two examples. If you have a PE of a, a company with a PE multiple of 20 and say it's growing at 10% a year, and then you have a company with a PE of 30 and that company is growing at 20% per year. And if you extend that out, and say they're both good businesses and they're able to continue to earn those returns and they reinvest everything. And if you run the numbers on say 10 years out, you 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 would on a relative basis you would find the company with the, the PE of 30 is uh actually much cheaper than the company with the PE of 20. But um people sort of tend to have this shorter term, you know, Wall Street for example, they tend to have a shorter term approach where they're um, looking just at the multiple and not necessarily looking at the business and its long-term uh, prospects. Now, finding a company that can grow like that over 10 years is really, really uh, difficult. And it's yeah. kind of the heart of um, kind of the heart of the problem. So really what I look for is something with some sort of track record. Um, I look at s- some of the businesses I own that, you know, just year in and year out over a 10 to 15 year over the past 10 to 15 years, I've had consistent growth. And the reason for that is because they're, they have some sort of competitive advantage or a moat, as Buffett would say, that allows them to keep doing what they're doing. To add to the other part of the, that three-legged stool that I talked about is exceptional management team. So when managers have a lot of skin in the game and they show signs that they're shareholder friendly, for example, uh, they're not diluting shareholders, they're not getting massive bonuses. What you really love to see is a, a manager that really their salary isn't, you know, that extraordinary, but they have like a huge stake in in the business. So you can see that they're working for shareholders and not working to necessarily enrich themselves because they're focused on the operations of the business, uh, you know, efficient allocation of capital within the business. You know, they're earning money and then they're thinking really really intelligently about how they're deploying that, that capital. So uh, in terms of how I think about this is I want something where I feel like I can predict where the business will be, say three to five years from now with a high level of certainty, something like a Tesla, I think is really difficult to sort of predict. I think they've had like substantial growth over some period of years. And I think that's really slowed down as of late. So, you know, so it's when it's really choppy, it's really hard to make any sort of prediction uh, three to five years out. But when you see, say, if a company's at 20% for the past 10 to 15 years, there's probably a good reason they've been able to do it year in and year out. And management hasn't sold a single share that they own. Um, They've they've shown what they expect uh, going into the future. So there's sort of clues you, you look for. Yeah. When you run that, uh, like that 20% growth, um, over th- even three or five years at a multiple of 30, you know, you know it, it really turns out to be quite reasonable. Um, and there are some businesses where their growth has been quite high and their multiples actually trading at, at 20. And then I wanted to mention one more thing regarding the PE ratio. Oftentimes- For those people can- who don't know, we're, we're not really an investing show. So yeah, okay. can you just share what a PE ratio is? Yes, yeah. So <laughs> PE is- um, it's a simplified metric that people use to show the valuation of a company. So the P is the price you're paying for a company. 
And then the E is just the accounting earnings or the net income that is reported. So say if a company has a PE of 20, then that means you're paying $20 for $1 of earnings. So said another way, you're getting a 5% yield, which is one divided by that 20. Mm -hmm. So that's how you sort of think about it. And as I was alluding to earlier, people can get attracted to low PEs. Say if the PE is five, then you're getting a 20% yield on the earnings. Mm -hmm. But it can be really deceiving uh, because sometimes those earnings don't actually reflect what the business is actually earning. Oftentimes with like a commodity company, you'll see a an earnings multiple, say of five or whatever. And oftentimes they need to reinvest all of those earnings just to maintain their current operations. So if they're taking all those quote unquote earnings and putting it back into maintaining what they have, then really the business isn't earning all that much, if anything at all. And so that's also important is understanding uh, what Warren Buffett calls owner's earnings. Mm -hmm. And owner's earnings is like, if you were an, a true owner of this business, if you owned 100% of it and you started taking money out without the business going into decay, what what would that earnings be? Um, so that's another helpful way of looking at and under, understanding earnings. And to Adam's question about you know what investors need to do to start constructing a portfolio, I think accounting um, it's something that's really important to understand because it's really easy to get tricked by a lot of these numbers and, um, you know, sort of get tripped up and, uh, some of these businesses that might be, uh, great opportunities, but you're not able to sort of wrap your hand, wrap your head around the numbers. Before I ask my next question, I, I should give the obligatory disclaimer that, you know, this is not investing advice for anybody who's heard this. <laughs> We're just having a conversation. You know, please don't uh, take this as, you know, if you lose any money off of anything here, don't come after us. <laughs> um, and if you do make some, then, you know, please sponsor us. <laughs> the But, you know, my other question was around, so, you know, your show started with two folks, uh, Stig and Preston, right, who uh, over time, I feel like I've gotten to know them well just from following the both of them. They all both have their own show. And now uh, separately, and and it's a very different kind of investing, even though they started in the same place, right? You have Stig, who uh, you know, I know you work closely with, and he's a classic mm -hmm. micro investor, right? He just uh, in the framework of Charlie Munger, uh, pick really good companies and just stick with them for life, right? Just figure out what the what the great company that you want to marry, and you stick with it, kind of thing. Am I am I right in in saying describing Stig um, style micro investing? A good part of his portfolio is individual stocks like that. Yeah. Um, I would say he's over the last couple of years, at least he's sort of adopted uh, sort of the Ray Dalio approach to, oh, what's it, what's he call it? The uh, kind of all weather portfolios. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he calls it 15 uncorrelated bets. Stig owns right. like a number of different asset classes um, and including like an equity stake in TIP, for example, that's you know, uncorrelated to everything else in his portfolio. Sure. Um, but yeah, I would say a, a good portion of his portfolio, I think, is uh, on that macro, mi micro approach. Right. Now you have an, uh, you're another founder who 
is completely on the opposite end now, right? And, and super concentrated now, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and a lot of it is guided by macro principles, right? I mean, almost mm-hmm. completely guided by macro principles, right? And, and that's Preston, who is almost all into Bitcoin now. And so, um, how, how has, uh, how do you, you view those, those, uh, two, you know, different ways of looking at investing and, Mm-hmm. How has that affected you? Yeah. So I'm a firm believer you can't outsource your conviction in how you should invest. So just because somebody else invests in a certain way doesn't mean that anybody, you know, just because I say some sort of approach on the show doesn't mean anyone listening should adopt the approach that I'm using because there is no quote unquote right investment approach. You know, it's all our own goals, our own risk right. tolerance our own, uh, you know, outlook. And, you know, some people are comfortable with a certain approach. Some people aren't comfortable at all with that same approach. So we're all human. We all have our emotions to deal with. And we all, uh, uh, Morgan Housel talks about this in the psychology of money. We all have our, uh, our own upbringing that gives us these biases on how we view the world. Um, someone that grew up in the great depression is like, tends to be pretty dang conservative with the way they approach their finances or if someone was just starting investing in 2021, they're probably super risky with everything, <laughs> everything they do. Well, maybe not anymore, but they were in 2021 when things were crazy. So yeah, with that said, uh, Preston's really gone down this macro route and he's got this thesis around, you know, with government deficits and, um, the emergence of Bitcoin and, uh, the adoption that he sees with that in the future. And then um, Stig, he sort of sees it in the Ray Dalio approach. He's he's shared this article on, and it's in his books too, on 15 uncorrelated bets. And th- this approach really is putting yourself in a position where you really can't lose. So <clears throat> Stig has a stake in uh, individual stocks, index funds. Uh, he might have a little bit of real estate. He has his own company and he has a few other investments that are all sort of uncorrelated. So like whatever kind of happens over the next 10, 20, 30 years, he's, he knows he's going to be financially secure. So yeah. Sting, he found this approach that Ray Dalio shared. He researched assets that are uncorrelated to each other. Um, some might offer way lower returns than others. You know, he he likes stocks, but he knows there are periods where there's maybe five to 10 year periods where stocks really don't do well and there's a lot of headwinds for stocks. So he's put himself in a position where his family is well taken care of. And then um that approach makes sense to him and it works for him. It's it's kind of interesting how the four hosts on We Study Billionaires all we all sort of have our own investment investment approach. And uh, I'm not going to lie. Like I've listened to a lot of Preston shows and I do yeah. hold a position in Bitcoin. Like um, I have, I have no, no shame in sharing that, but uh, I, I love talking about individual stocks and there's, it's interesting just uh, on the individual stock side, just you learn so much about the world and around about companies and about, you know, I mentioned Robert Cialdini's book. You learned about how, how people think, how people interact with each other. It's a, that's sort of the way I think about it is like, everyone needs to think for themselves and we all need to find it, find the approach that works, works best for us. It suits our temperament and what we're comfortable with. And it, 
you know, allows us to reach our financial goals in the future. I agree. And I, 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 I'm a big fan of Preston. I also hold a position in Bitcoin, but I also have learned to really uh, love, you know, Stig and Charlie's way of just studying companies and, and picking good ones there. Um, and then, you know, Adam and I also do some real estate investing and we have our own businesses as well. And so we kind of, I think that approach that you mentioned for Stig of just having a, a kind of a being well diversified really helps, right? Mm-hmm. Um there's been yeah, times sleep, when everything sleep pretty good at night knowing, you know, if one investment happens to not go as well, then you know you're well taken care of in other areas of your portfolio. Totally. Yeah, totally. definitely. Yeah. So Clay, we're we're at that point where we'd like to ask our famous Wayfinder four. So uh are you ready? Let's do it. All right, Clay. I know you've been waiting for this one. Give <laughs> us a hack. Yeah, I, I prepped well well for these. <laughs> so uh I mentioned before that uh, I don't know if there's really too many hacks I want to share because yeah, you know, I I just mentioned we're all human. We all kind of have our own quirks of you know if I mention a hack, ninety percent of people listening will probably think it's ridiculous. But um, I think the best hacks are just pretty obvious. Um, for me, one of the biggest ones is just getting like a quality night's rest. Whenever that happens, yeah, my day usually ends up being pretty good. And whenever I don't get a quality night's sleep, my uh, day tends to be a, a a drag and maybe not as productive. So that's that's my hack. That's a great one. Yeah, that's solid. No shame in that. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. You already named a ton of books, but we're still going to ask you for <laughs> a favorite. So it doesn't have to be a book. It can be a movie, a band, an activity, whatever you like. Chris Mayer, Hunter Baggers. I've heard that book mentioned on your show quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. You know, and um oh, I'm drawing a blank, but I, I I know on one of William Green's episodes where he he interviewed the gentleman from India, Manish Pabrai, he yep. talked about that book at length a little bit. Quite yeah, a bit he's too. been he's been talking more and more about that investment yeah. approach. He calls it circle yeah. of wagons. Uh what would, what is something you would tell your younger self? Some advice for your younger self? Be humble and never stop learning. All right. Now, what is one thing that you think prevents people from being happy? I feel like this has probably been mentioned on your show before, but immediately I'm reminded of, I think it was Morgan Housel that pointed this out, that happiness is the gap between expectations and reality. So mm-hmm. I think we humans, we kind of have a this something ingrained in us where we want to compare ourselves to others, see what's going on on the external and look at what other people have. You know, there's something something to be said. I'm sure William's guests have, talk, have talked about this of, you know, being grateful for what you do have, uh, practicing gratitude. And, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of our listeners that are value investors, we kind of tend to naturally be more conservative in our finances. And that leads us to not really caring so much about what other people have or, you know, the lifestyle that they choose to live. Um, yeah. So yeah, that Morgan Housel quote is one that uh, definitely comes to mind. The gap between expectations and reality. If you lower your expectations, then uh, Munger actually talks about this too. If you lower your expectations, then you tend to be disappointed uh, much less often. So, Clay, if anybody wants to know a little bit more about you, uh, where could they find you? Yeah, 
best place is the We Study Billionaires podcast. I have a weekly uh, show that goes out there. And then I'm on Twitter. I tweet every once in a while at Clay underscore Fink, C-L-A-Y underscore F-I-N-C-K. It's probably the right. best place. And then uh, theinvestorspodcast.com. Uh, we have all our podcasts out there and everything else we uh, share with our audience. Is that mastermind that you mentioned uh, linked through there as well? That's and right. It is still open. This was an absolute honor. Uh, like I said, I've been a fanboy of your show for probably since you started. So uh, you've opened my eyes and expanded my world more than you know. So uh, and I can't believe we're here, you know, and we stood in line together when you were just starting to host a few shows and, and now you're a big rock star with it. And uh, it's it's been humbling. And, and uh, you know, so thanks to you. And please share my gratitude for Preston, with uh, Stig, with William, with everybody, Robert, everybody else on the show. I mean, you guys are, uh, I, I don't know you and you guys don't know me too much, but but uh, I feel like you're your family and I owe quite a bit to you for where I am in life. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, you know, this time standing in line at Berkshire, <laughs> I think it was 5 a.m. We were in line, something like that. And, you know, those are memories that last a lifetime. So they really do. We're all dev. Have a have that chance to get to meet you and hopefully see you again in May again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I won't miss it. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.